you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be back in the book of Proverbs, and today we're going to be talking about the heart. Uh, we, uh, we use this word heart and this phrase, you know, you got to have heart in a, a, a lot of different venues of uh, our life. We, we, we talk about it in sports. You might hear a person say, man, they got a lot of talent, but they just don't have any heart. You ever heard something like that? Or sometimes we use this at work. You know, if you're going to get ahead, you got to put your heart into it. You know, you're going to have to give it all you got. Or, or in education, a, a teacher might say during a semester, today we're going to get to the heart of the matter. You know, we're going to get at, at what's really important. And especially in church, we use the word heart a, a lot. Uh, we talk about inviting Jesus into your heart or give your heart to the Lord. And, and even Jesus used this phrase in the greatest commandment. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. You know, this is a normal part of church vernacular, uh, but have you ever wondered what an eight-year-old might think when we're using this type of terminology? You know, when we say, you know, you need to let Jesus come and live in your heart, and they've seen the pictures in Sunday school of Jesus being, you know, kind of tall, and how's he going to fit in there or whatnot? You know, that I, I can imagine the questions a child must have. What does it mean for Jesus to live in your heart? What does it mean to surrender your heart to Jesus? And as adults... I mean, honestly, what's it mean to love God with all your heart? Uh, you know, what, what, what is the Bible referring to when it talks about heart? Now, this is important to know because uh, I'm using the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I like the ESV, the NIV, the any Bible that seems to give the Word of God accurately Bible. I like those. Uh, I, I try to stay away from the NSV, which is the Nick Sander version. But sometimes I am prone to uh, slip my own opinions in there sometimes. But, uh, but, but in the Holy Christian Standard Bible, the word heart is referred to over 900 times. That's almost once a chapter. That's a lot of references to the heart. Now, uh, most of the time it's not talking about the physical part of us that pumps blood. You know, the Bible is usually uh, referring to the part of us that wills, and desires. That's what it's talking about when it refers to our heart, the part of us that, that wills and, and desires. Now, we've been reading through the book of Proverbs as a church this month, and uh, if you're with us today, you'd be reading in Proverbs 17. If you hadn't be, uh, haven't been with us in this, you can pick up tomorrow Proverbs 18. You just read whatever day of the month it is. That's what proverb uh, you read. Uh, but if you read the book of Proverbs, you're going to learn about the blessed life and how to be successful and how to get ahead. Uh, and, and if you've joined in with us, you've noticed that Proverbs often speaks about the heart. And today we're going to talk about what Proverbs has to say about this issue. Now before we get there, let's just think for a minute about the physical heart, okay? Because this is the kind of the picture that God wants us to see, but let's think of the, the physical heart for just a minute. Uh, on average, how many times does a person's heart beat per minute? 70, 80? I think it's between 60 and 100, so somewhere in that range, 70, 80, somewhere in there, that's on average. If you were to do that math, how many times do you think a person's heart beats a day? Anybody know? 100 thousand times your heart beats every day that means in your lifetime if you live a life expectancy of about what 78 79 years old is average life expectancy if you were to live that long let's say you live 80 years your heart would beat three billion times now 
to put that into perspective, blood travels through your body because your heart pumps 12,000 miles a day. In one week, your heart would, if there were a vein that wrapped around the world, your heart would be able to pump your blood around the world three times, over three times, in one week. Uh, if your veins were not in a circuit and were just emptying into barrels like crude oil empties out of a well into a barrel, you would be able in your lifetime to pump over one million barrels of blood in your lifetime. Uh, it, a pretty amazing mechanism that God has put inside of us. And no wonder that's why the, the writer of Proverbs describes the Bible like a fountain, uh, this, this instrument that, that pumps out of us. Let's start in Proverbs 4.23 today. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. I like the way the NIV says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do, flows from it. You kind of see that, that word picture. Your, your life is, is like a river and your heart is the source. And we had this beautiful, beautiful word picture going on. We, our heart is like a spring in the mountain providing desires continuously. Every moment when you face a tough decision or when you make any choice, your spiritual heart is pumping out a desired decision for you to make. Uh, and all areas of our life are affected by our heart, every one of them, where we choose to live, how we raise our kids, how we treat our parents, how we choose our friends, uh, the hobbies we do, the type of work ethic we have, the way we handle money, all of those things are affected by our desires or our heart. If you have a heart to save money, you'll handle your money one way. If you have a heart to have things, You'll handle your money another way. Uh, all of that is affected by your heart. If you have a desire to be in the in crowd, it's because you have a heart to be accepted. You know, you, it'll, your heart will affect the way you, you, the friends you choose, and it'll affect what you do with your friends, and it'll affect how honest you are with your friends. Every area of your life, is affected by your heart. Now, Jesus taught this. This is not something, oh, man, you're making way more out of this Old Testament verse than you ever should. No, Jesus taught exactly this uh, when, when he said our struggles ultimately spring from our heart. You know, the problem with adultery didn't begin in a certain relationship. It began in the heart. I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her. That's the beginning of that situation. Financial crisis you know, it's not a, a spending problem or a debt problem or a budgeting problem or a credit card problem. It's a heart problem. Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart's at. It started there in that well. Uh, you can't keep control of your tongue. Jesus said, well, that's a heart issue as well. A good man brings good things out of, a good, uh, out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what, what the heart thinks, and then later, the writer of Proverbs says, For as he thinks within himself, so is he. You know, if life's going wrong, I want you to understand. Go back to Luke 6.45, if you would. For what... I'm going to have to give you the rest of 6.45. Listen to what this says. 
It says, an evil man produces evil out of the storeroom, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. Listen, guys, if life is going wrong, if you're heading the wrong way, it, it's a heart issue. If you're 25 or 75, if you're heading the wrong way, you're thinking the wrong thing, you're doing the wrong thing, it is ultimately a heart issue. Now, I'm not sure why we ignore this. Maybe we don't completely understand this, or maybe we just don't believe it, but for whatever reasons, we want to address symptoms and not the source. I mean, think about it for a second. You know, if a person's got bad behavior, we want to blame drugs, or we want to blame inappropriate sex, or we want to blame the fact that, well, they stole something at work and got in trouble, or they yelled at their kids and that's their problem, or they're home late every night, and if I could just get them to stop doing those things, or out of that relationship, or make more money, or have a different job, then they'd do better. No, 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 guys, the real problem's upstream. The real problem's way upstream in their heart. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as he thinks within himself, that's what a man's going to be. If our hearts are not right, our lives can't be right. And if our hearts are right, our lives will be right. Proverbs 4, 23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We have to guard our heart because if that stream is polluted, our life will be polluted. And so God has given us the task of guarding our heart but we've got likes on it. How many of y'all have been Christians for more than 10 years? Yeah. See, here's what happens. We get likes guarding our heart the longer we follow the Lord. It's kind of like having a kid. Uh, how many of you have one kid? Now, we're going to laugh at y'all for a second. You had one kid, that baby was born, and you would go out somewhere, and I mean, they had the plastic bubble around them. You know, because you didn't want anything to happen to that kid. And if you took that pacifier out of their mouth and that you accidentally dropped it, you would probably go throw that thing away and open up a new one because you weren't going to any, take any chance of putting that thing back in that baby's mouth. But if you had the second kid, you know things change. You know, when you have the second kid, you go from t tearing open a new pacifier or boiling that pacifier, you, you probably, by the time you get a second kid, you put it under a water fountain or something, and you just kind of wash it off, and you stick it in the kid's mouth. Good enough, right? If you have a third kid, you just put it in your own mouth and give it to them, you know? By the time you have a fourth kid, you say, I'll make them tough. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's the way we do, because it's amazing. Something happens that we quit that guarding process. Listen, when it comes to your heart, we should be as protective as a mom with her firstborn child, because everything in life springs out of our heart. Um, we must constantly be guarding our heart. We must guard our heart from several things. First of all, we must guard our heart from what we're exposed to. Guys, you know this is true. We grow an affinity for what we grow up with. We fall in love with things we grow up with. How else can you explain a Louisville fan? I mean, really. You know, <coughs> that's kind of how things work. But uh, seriously, I, I love to hunt. Uh, why, why do I love to hunt? Because my dad took me hunting when I was little, and I connect that, and I just fell in love with it because of him. I, I, I love to play ball. My dad played ball at Western, played some minor league baseball. You know, I, why do I love that? Because my dad 
love those things. I was exposed to these things, and, and, and because I was exposed to them, guess what happened? They took root in my heart, and it became a part of who I am, and my heart desires to participate in those things. It's natural for us to desire stuff that we expose ourselves to, so here's where the rub comes. What you watch on TV, what you listen to on the radio, what you, the places you go are going to influence your desires. Now, yeah, I hope y'all know this about me. Maybe y'all don't. Maybe y'all think I'm this rule guy that's going to give you 27 rules and you should stay away from here and you shouldn't do that. You should. I'm not a big rule guy. I never have been a big rule guy. I don't like rules because a lot of times whenever you make a rule, my inclination is to want to break it. You tell me the bench is wet, you know, put a sign on there that it's been painted, wet paint, I'm going to touch it. That's just, that's the way our nature is. So I'm not here to give you a lot of rules, but I do want to give you a principle don't spend a lot of your time around stuff that you don't want in your heart permanently. Y'all get that? Don't focus on stuff that you don't want to become a part of you permanently. What you listen to. Well, it's just a beat. This is my girls right now. I mean, I can hear my daughter. She rattles the whole house when she comes into the garage. You know, I mean, I can. It's just a beat, Dad. Well, yeah, but I listen to the lyrics, and I know the lyrics of the songs that I listen to, and they planted seeds of lust that often took root in my life. And, 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 and they talk about having to have more and putting the seeds of greed and, and drunkenness and selfishness. Those things are drilled into your heart through the beat. Guys, children of the 70s, y'all know what I'm talking about when things changed. We hear songs, and we listen to what our kids listen to. We think, how can they listen to that? And then Aerosmith will come on, and we start singing along. You know? And, and you listen to the words when you get older. Have you ever found yourself... <laughs> time out. Have you ever found yourself listening to the radio with your kids in the car, and you're listening to your station for a change, and, and it, something comes on, and you turn it up because you really like it, and then you hear the words, and you change the channel real quick because I didn't listen to stuff like that? <laughs> Be careful those seeds get in your heart. What you watch on TV, there's just so much immorality on TV, it's hard to even know what to say here. You know, as Christians, we should love what helps people have pure hearts and not what fosters impurity. My, my daughters, you know, uh, they went through a phase where they watched Say Yes to the Dress like all the time. I want to tell you as a dad, I hate that show. Because it's a show of people buying dresses for thousands of dollars. You know, the other day a lady came on there and her budget was $3,000. This has been maybe a couple years ago. And my daughters went, oh, how sad. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> sad. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, I'm worried that they let this foolishness or greed of desire into their heart, and I'm also worried it's going to cost Dad a lot of money. <laughs> so, so, you know, what I really want to happen, I want by the time they get married, I'm back to pastoring in church, and they come forward at invitation time, and then we do it on a Sunday. We're having a potluck, and they just get married right then, and that's the reception. I mean, that's like a win-win right there, but, uh, yeah. You know, we got to watch what we watch on TV. we got to watch where we go. You know, I... I, I hate going here because so many people think I'm just talking rules. I'm not talking rules. I'm talking about our heart. You know, certain parties, 
you know, going down to the bar, going to the casino or to the racetrack. You know, everybody else, you know, it seems to be at least having so much fun and your heart might start thinking, man, I'm missing out not doing those things. I wish that that's where I were, was at. And, and, and it, here's the problem, that causes trouble downstream. And all of a sudden, your heart starts leading you in directions that you don't want to end up. We've got to be careful what we expose our heart to. We also have to be careful what we set our affection on. We all have things that become dear to our hearts. You do. If you have a kid, you had something that became dear to your heart. You know? But sometimes we can love good things too much that you neglect much more important things. Men. Okay? We're hobby people. I don't understand it, but men have hobbies ten times more than women do. They do. You know, whether it's hunting or golfing or fishing or sports or woodworking or mechanic. You know, we, we have more It's just... In fact, I deal with this in marriage counseling all the time. You know, I mean, I, I try to prepare this woman. He's going to be, he has been infatuated with you for the last two years. And in about four months, he's going to be drawn back to some of these hobbies. Just going to happen. Uh, guys, we can get in trouble because we can get to the place where our golf course becomes more important than our work. Be careful. What you let in your heart too close, watch it, guard it. Our work can become more important than our family. Watch your heart. Our kids, women, can become more important than God. Watch your heart. You got to guard it. We're commanded to love God first and foremost with all of our heart. We also have to allow, uh, watch who we give access to. We all have people who have access to our life. Every one of us do. Uh, there's different degrees. You know, there's some people who, if you, if you come to my house, I love all of y'all, uh, but if I didn't know you at all, I'm probably going to invite you into that little cubicle in our house where you first walk in the door, if it's cold. If not, I'm going to meet you outside. If I really don't know you, I'm probably going to stand there and peek through the door and talk to you with my foot in the door, you know, type of deal. You know, I just kind of... Uh, but then if one of y'all that I know and I recognize were to come to my house, I'd probably yell at my wife, tell her to pick up the living room real quick, and then let y'all in after a couple minutes of small talk, right? Because we have people who will let them into our living room as long as it's not like a chaotic mess. And then we have people who come over to our house, and it doesn't matter what the house looks like because, I mean, they know us. They're in our world. We have folks who come we let get in the refrigerator, and we don't think anything about it. Then we have other folks who we'd even give a key to because we trust them so much. It doesn't matter if I'm there or not. This is what I would tell you today. Be careful who you give your heart to. It's not a bad thing to give your heart to someone. Listen to what Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. There are people who we should obviously turn the keys of our life over to, but don't give your heart to people who will harm you. That's why the writer of Proverbs says, The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of the fool will suffer harm. Scripture also teaches us in the New Testament don't be mismatched with unbelievers. Guys, be careful, uh, especially those of you who are dating. Your heart will go, and it might go to a place that you would never want it to go. Um, if you do give your heart to someone who is not healthy for you, You'll live with a mess downstream. If you want to have a better life, you want to be more successful, you want to enjoy what God's given you, guard your heart. 
Now, the next verse I want to talk to you about is this. Proverbs 20, verse 9, and this is such, uh, the writer of Proverbs lives in this balance. He knows how life should work, and he knows who we are. And he says, who can say I've kept my heart pure and I am cleansed from my sin? I'd ask you that question. Who in here today could say, man, my heart's pure? Nothing in there, no weeds in my garden. Completely pure, kept myself from sin. Truth is, we all make bad choices. We desire things that are bad for us. And we've all been there and done that. Why? Well, the human heart is contaminated. We're all born with a contaminated heart, and it's just a fact. I was born with it, you're born with it. This is not, I'm holier than you, I'm right there with you. We are all born with a contaminated, sin-sick heart. From the time that Adam and Eve chose to sin in the garden, from that point, it has been passed down from every generation. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately sick. Your heart will deceive you so much that you might even think you're doing the right thing when you're making this choice over here. Your heart is so deceitful that you might think your motives are pure even when you're acting like a pagan. Your heart is so sick that it will tell you God really doesn't care. Even when God cares a whole lot, your heart is so sick that it will lead you to do the exact opposite of the Word of God, and then you will declare yourself guiltless. And God says, your heart is desperately sick and wicked, and you will deceive yourself, and you will do it continuously. And here's the catch-22. Our heart is sick and contaminated, and yet the Bible says we're going to be judged by the purity of our heart. I mean, that's a dilemma. Who can say our heart's pure? Nobody. We're all sick, and yet we're going to be judged whether or not our heart's pure. Listen to what the Bible says. Proverbs 17, verse 3, silver's tested in a crucible, gold in a smelter, but the Lord is a tester of hearts. The question asked uh, in the Old Testament is this, who shall ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who's going to get to stand in this holy place? That's a good question because I want to know that. I want to go there. I want to be with the Lord. And then the Lord answers, the one who has a clean hand and a pure heart. My hands are dirty from sin. My heart is filled constantly with this wickedness and deceitfulness that's in there. How can I stand before the Lord? Even, uh, there you go, Old Testament preacher. I hate that you do that. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus said, the pure in heart are blessed, and they will see God. Here's the problem. None of us are there. None of us have pure hearts. You are lying to yourself if you think your heart is pure. You are selfish at the core. You want what's good for you. You want glory for yourself. You want to look smart. You want to look wise, regardless of what God looks like. You want to be taken care of. And it'd be nice if, every, if I win the billions, I will help so many people. But I guarantee you, at the end of the day, you said you'd keep quite a bit for yourself. Because that's who people are. Unless we can stand before God and say that our heart's pure, we will not enter the kingdom of God. We won't see God. And, and Jesus tried to drill down, and this is just later on. Uh, go ahead and go back to that last verse, Matthew. No, I'm sorry. There you go. Matthew 5, that's the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus starts, unless your heart's pure, you're not going to see God. And then he goes into this litany of things like, you've heard people say you could, shouldn't commit adultery. Yeah, those people are bad. They don't have pure hearts. And Jesus said... I tell you, if you've even lusted in your mind, you don't have a pure heart. 
You've heard that it said you shouldn't kill people. Yeah, those are bad folks. And Jesus said, if you ever got angry at somebody, like blow up angry at them, you know, in, in your heart, you're not going to see God. You know, you, you might say, well, I've never stolen. Jesus said, have you ever been envious of other people's possessions? Might as well have stolen because that's kind of like God sees the same thing. He knows your heart's not pure. And this is the problem. But man's answer to the problem is simply, well, we need to try harder. I'm going to do better next time. We, we believe in behavior modification. Man does. You know, we, we're going we're gonna to, if I become a good person, then I'll be pure enough. Well, if I'm religious enough and come to church enough, then God will let me in. If I help enough people, in the New Testament, there was a group of people who thought just like that. They were called Pharisees. If I can be good enough, I can be right with God. You know, and so they spent their time combing the streams of life trying to get the impurities out. The problem is, is the well's polluted and constantly churning out bad stuff. Listen to what Jesus said. For from within, out of people's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, lewdness, stinginess, isn't that weird that he throws some of these things together? Because in my life, stingy's not nearly as bad as lewd. But Jesus said it's the same pollution. It's just expressing itself in different ways. Blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All of these things come from within and defile a person. Guys, you can mow weeds in your life all you want, but if you don't pull it, it'll come back up. This is the reality of behavior modification. You're cutting off a weed, and this will either lead to another sin. You'll either, you'll either have pride that, look, my weeds don't look nearly as bad as their weeds, or it will lead to despair. I, you know, I can't get these weeds out of my life. You know, I eat too much. Y'all know that. I'm not hiding it. I've dieted several times and failed, and right now I'm on the better end of things. I've got about 21 days of doing better, okay? Praise the Lord. That's all good. But here's what I've found. I've, most of the time when I'm losing weight, I exchange gluttony for pride. Y'all understand where I'm going with that? Yeah. A lot of people spend their whole life mowing weeds, and it's frustrating. And so God's answer is simple. Ah, let me give you a new heart. You know, let, let me give you a new heart. He goes all the way upstream, and he says, for your life to get better, you got to have healthy streams. Uh, you have to have a healthy fountain. You have to have a new source. And the Bible calls this regeneration. That's a theological term. But it's God making that which is contaminated new. That which is broken, he mends. That which is polluted, he cleanses. He regenerates it. And he gives us a new heart. And this was prophesied in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 36. The book of Ezekiel is one of the last books of the Old Testament written. It was written by a prophet who was exiled in Babylon about 500, 600 years before Jesus comes. And 
he, he, he talks about this behavior modification in Ezekiel, and people aren't able to pull it off, and that's why God took you into exile. And you almost find the people at this point of despair and saying, how are we going to fix this? What are we going to do? And Ezekiel prophesies, and God says through him, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone that contaminated not a different imagery, but that thing that doesn't produce like it should. And I will give you a heart of flesh and I will place my spirit within you. And I will cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. You can't do it on your own. God has to put a new spirit in you. He takes our mess and he makes it new. And what Jesus did is he came as a perfect heart pure in all ways. He broke the, the line of sin because he was born of a virgin. And now he had pure heart and pure motives because he was from above. And though he was tempted in every way like us, he did not sin because his heart and his source was pure. And he didn't deserve death. He deserved eternal life. But he hung on the cross to take our place, to take the sin problem that we have and to fix it to regenerate us, to make us new. God placed the wrath that we deserved on him, and when we put our faith in him, we become new. And for the one who repents and has faith, things are different upstream. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, former things, old things are passed away, and look, new things have come. God makes us new and the person with a new heart in Jesus has new desires. There's something within us that wants to obey God. We hunger for his word. We want God to be great, not just us. And in time, we want God to be great and not even us. You know, we, we love people no matter who, we are, who they are and, or no matter what they've done, and we're generous with what we have, even though we might not have a lot, and we're content with what we have, even though it might not be easy because we have this new source. At one time, we're selfish, and now we're selfless. We're different inside, and let me just throw this out there, and this is kind of some old-timey preaching, but if it's truth, it doesn't change. Y'all need to get the, wrap your brain around that. If it's truth, it doesn't change. You know, because we, we, we have peddlers of perverted gospel out there that will tell you that, that, man, I've got a new word. If it's truth, it doesn't change. And Jesus was the fullness of God. He gave to the prophets uh, and to the apostles the word which he wanted us to understand. That truth has been passed on faithfully to us. Those who are new in Christ... Listen closely. If you're new in Christ on the inside, you'll start becoming new in Christ on the outside. Now, that's not popular preaching today. Popular preaching is come into church, cry a little bit, God still loves you, go home and continue in your mess. God loves you way too much for that. He, he knows the pain you have through the week. And so he desires for that spirit that he's placed within you to start working his way out in your life. And, and before long, you grow in Christ and you start giving up bad habits and it's not so much, oh, I don't get to do anything fun anymore. No, it's, man, why would I want to waste my life on that? There's something much better. And it's, you, you start investing in your relationships. It's not because, well, I guess I better go see my kids instead of playing golf today. 
No, it's because, man, I love my kids, and one day I'm going to be an old man, and I'm banking on them taking care of me. No, <coughs> or, or, you know, it's not just, you know, you, you start doing good things and, and living in the blessing of God, and you're this new person. I mean, that's what God wants in your life. This is not God being a thumbing your life. This is God delivering you in your life. So here's the takeaway. There's two of them. Number one, do you have a new heart? You know, I'm concerned that some people might question their faith from a message like this and say, well, you know, sometimes I still want bad stuff for me. You're not perfect. We have to guard our heart. But do you have guilt over your sin? Or do you just not care? Do you... Do you want to love God? Have you ever wanted to just love God? Or do you do this because somebody forces you? See, God gave me a new heart when I was young. And all of a sudden, I, I loved him. I mean, I'll just tell you, if you've got a new heart in Jesus and you try to dabble in sin, you're going to be miserable the rest of your life because God loved you so much he put the Holy Spirit inside of you and he's going to let you be miserable. You know, I mean... It, but I worry for some of you who never had that new heart experience. Here's the problem. If you, see, Jesus made my heart pure. I couldn't do a thing to make it pure. If your heart's not pure, you won't stand before God. You'll never see him. You won't enter into his kingdom. On that day when judgment comes, you're going to be really disappointed. Because you've got to have a new heart. Now, for those of you who have a new heart, my question for you is, are you guarding it? I was doing the math. My heart's probably over halfway done. I'm 46 years old. Uh, Y'all made me old. I, I was 45 when I came here. Um, I have heart disease in my family. Every now and then I've had a few pains and pressures, and I've gone to run the treadmill thing and have the stuff, and they say, you know, for now you're all right. And I might be able to live healthier for a few more years. And, you know, part of the reason that I'm trying to do better is, is my mom pulled me aside and she said, Nick, she said, I didn't, you know, I want you to know that about your age is when problems really start happening. You probably ought to take care of yourself. When your mama tells you that, and basically my mom said I was fat, but when your mom says that, you start listening, you know? I guard my, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can to guard my physical heart. But here's the reality, and this is an important reality you need to know. It's going to wear out. Right? It's going to happen, guys. Physical heart's going to wear out. Yours is too. But the new spiritual heart I have is eternal. Jesus died so I could have it, and I would hate to neglect the great gift that he gave me by allowing trash to enter into it. You know, my... My prayer for you, if that's you, you're polluting your well. I pray that today you'd repent and say, God, I love you way too much to allow this mess to continue on. I, I want to be new. I know you made me new inside. Lord, let that start overflowing in my life. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to uh, share your word. I pray, Father, that uh, you'd speak to hearts today. God, I ask, Lord, if there's somebody here who's not new in you, Lord, that you would do a renewing work in them. Help them to trust Christ alone. 
God, I pray first thing you do is help them realize they can't fix themselves. And Lord, when they're convicted of that, I pray that they'd believe that Jesus died so that they could be new. And Lord, I pray that um, for those of us who are saved, and maybe that's most of us here, Lord, Lord, help us to guard our heart. Help us to love you with all of our heart, with our mind, with our soul, with our strength. In Jesus' name, amen.